Welcome to Biz Women Rock. Here's what's coming up. I'm going to say entrepreneurship is a hard path if you're not willing to do some deep inner work and really face your fears and really fight your own demons because there's a saying, um, new level, new devil, Hmm. and it is so true. Each time I break... That's good. Oh, yeah. Each time you break through something in your business, you're going to fight something else. Episode 199. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast, your home for amazing, very real stories about phenomenal businesswomen in all sorts of different industries over all sorts of different parts of the world who are here to share the real stories of how they've grown their businesses so that you can take some practical ideas and go implement them in your business. Now, if you're just starting your business, there's an amazing resource that you can tap into. It's called How to Launch Your Brand Online. It is an ebook that I created just for you. If you want to make sure that your business is represented very well and very effectively in the online space, including on a website, uh, on a blog, on social media, then being able to follow these very simple steps to be able to build up a customer base that is dying for exactly what you got That's what this book is all about. Go find out more at bizwomenrock.com. Now, before we get into our interview today, I just wanted to take a second to uh, share a couple little things with you. You can probably tell that my audio is not nearly as awesome as it normally is, and that's because I am currently sitting in Fort Worth, Texas, in my hotel room, just hours before I'm about to get on a plane to go back to Tampa. Um, I've been out here for podcast movement for the past four days, I think. And um, I don't have my mic with me. So, but I wanted to be able to talk to you really quick and to share with you some really cool things that I got out of this conference um, that pertain directly to you. And I just figured it was more important to be able to share that message than have perfect audio quality. So I hope you can forgive me for that. So just two quick notes about Um, what has happened here in Fort Worth. The first is that I was totally honored with the ability to speak during this conference about the power of Facebook groups and was talking just about how amazing they are, how powerful they are, how great they are to help you build your brand. And um, it got an amazing response, which is super awesome. So uh, I wanted to thank you for that because whether you have joined the group yet or not, by the way, it's called the BWR Connect on Facebook, Um, you have been a part of it because the Facebook group is so intimately woven into this podcast. It only exists because of this podcast. Um, And as a listener, I just really want to thank you so much for being able to um, make that group possible, make the Biz Women Rock brand possible, um, and it all really came from this show. And uh, and I wouldn't have been able to give a talk about it uh, and share that information with other people unless you were a part of it. So thank you for that. And the second and last thing that I want to say is one of the major themes of every keynote speaker from this weekend, and those people have included phenomenal podcasters like Pat Flynn, uh, Mark Marin, who does the WTF podcast, um, Sarah Koenig, 
John Lee Dumas, uh, just all sorts of really amazing people who have been doing podcasting for so long um, and, um, you know, just have so much experience under their belt. The, um, oh, Alicia, what the heck is her name? I'm so blanking on it right now. Can can we give that up to Pregnancy Brain right now? <laughs> um, Alicia, Aisha Tyler, oh my goodness, Girl on Guy podcast. The common theme with all of them was that, especially in those rough moments of doing their podcasts, they kept doing it because you never know who you're going to impact. And you never know who's listening on the other side. And so with that, I just want to share this story that's very personal to me um, and one that I hope really resonates with you, which is... In the very early years, uh, early years, my goodness, Biz Women Rock is like a year and a half old. I have, I don't have the right to say years yet. So in the very beginning of Biz Women Rock, without me knowing, there was this girl who was having a bad day in her hometown of Australia and just put in some search terms in iTunes and came across Biz Women Rock and loved the logo and thought, hey, let me give this a listen. She immediately fell in love with it, made her husband listen to a lot of different shows. She has an 89-year-old mother who lives about two and a half hours away from her, and um, and so she would always listen to the show to and from uh, her drive to her mom's house, uh, which was you know happening quite frequently. And, um, and so all without me knowing, she was really being able to listen to these stories of these amazing businesswomen. And she herself is a phenomenal businesswoman. She has been an entrepreneur ever since she was a, very young, um, you know, uh, has done real estate, is coming out with a really phenomenal program that's going to help women and build their businesses. And, um, and, and so it just so happened that, man, about October of 2014, so Last year, just almost a year ago, she reached out to me and she said, hey, listen, I heard you mention that your local company, the Tampa Bay Business Owners, is going to be doing an internet marketing cruise. I plan on being there. And and I was like, okay, cool. That's awesome. I, wow, that's pretty cool. I appreciate it. I had only mentioned it on the show once. So she came out and um, so we're just getting on the boat in Tampa, Florida, and I hear her Australian accent because at that point I didn't really know that she was from Australia. And it turns out that Marie McGuinness came all the way from Australia because she had been hearing my podcast, really loved who I was all about, what this show was all about, really believed in the integrity of what I stood for and what this brand stands for, and brought brought her butt out to Tampa, Florida to be on a cruise with us, all because I mentioned it one time. Um, that blew my mind, and it started a really solid friendship. Um, and uh, and Marie actually flew in again to be at Podcast Movement, and all because of the relationships that she started to develop within the Biz Women Rock community and specifically within the BWR Connect private Facebook group. So, um, you know, every one of these major speakers spoke about how much of an impact their show has had on their audience. And a lot of times they don't even know what it is, but every once in a while they're lucky enough to be able to hear what that's all about. So that is one little story just from my heart that really has touched me and impacted me 
as an interviewer. It's impacted me as the you know head of this entire Biz Women Rock brand as well as this podcast. And I just really want to say to you how much that means to me and how much you mean to me because whether you listen to one show and it really clicked for you or you're an avid listener who listens to every single show every single time, I just really want to thank you for being here. Um, This brand doesn't exist without you and it is the reason why I am allowed to live in my passion and to live in line with what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. So um, just thank you. I'm so honored that you're here. I never take it for granted that you take your time to listen and I do my best to make sure that these interviews are really worth your while and that everything that Biz Women Rock stands for and offers is worth your while. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. That was such a profound thing for me to be able to experience this weekend and really zone in on it and really connect to it. So I just wanted to share that with you. So now that I'm getting teary-eyed, without further ado, let's get into our interview. Rachel Cook is my guest today. She's the founder of The Yogipreneur. Um, (laughs) She's just awesome, which is why I'm smiling right now because I'm so excited that you're going to listen to this conversation. So she uh, went through what a lot of entrepreneurs go through, which is corporate burnout. And when I talk about corporate burnout, I mean like seriously, she had to take a medical leave from her job uh, in order to deal with like serious issues that were happening. She took three months um, and ended up kind of stumbling across the opportunity to create the Yogipreneur. So this interview is all about how she has, uh, how she started that company, how she built it, the really kind of tough, not so profitable times in the very beginning, but why that was really important for her, and um, and all the different transitions it's gone through. We know that you know, business is a continual evolution, and she's gone through a lot of different iterations of her business. The One of the main things that uh, she's really known for and that we talked a lot about in this interview is her ability to bring her business online. So she had reasons for why she wanted to do that, and uh, she executed beautifully. So she's a brilliant kind of online business person, and uh, and now her business is online is going through a couple different iterations as well. So I'm really excited for you to hear about all of that. So let's go ahead and get into it with Rachel. With Rachel. Rachel, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I am so excited. We're going to have so much fun together, I can you, tell. You have no idea. It's always like watch out when you have two podcasters on uh, on the show because you know that like, okay, you've had this experience behind the mic. I know you're fairly new in your podcast, but already, I mean, you get educated quite quickly. And so, you know, the kind of stuff that, that uh, comes up and now we're comfortable with is all is always really interesting to watch for. So thank you for being here. Um, I am so jazzed about introducing people to your company, to who you are, to the Yogipreneur. And uh, for anyone who has heard of you before, I'm really excited to really allow them to see kind of the behind the scenes of your business and how you've built your company. So um, let's start a little bit in the beginning as far as how, uh, what was happening that precipitated an idea to create the Yogipreneur? So like many people who are super ambitious, and kind of goal-oriented, I rushed straight out of my MBA program into a consulting job, which is what most MBAs, I feel like, you either go into finance or into consulting, or in my (laughs) case, a combination of both. (laughs) I was recruited straight out of my MBA program into financial consulting for entrepreneurs. Um, And 
I did that for many years and quickly proceeded in a series of like a few short years to burn myself out, to find myself completely emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. I was on the road six days a week. I had just gotten married and I only saw my husband on Sundays where I basically slept the whole day because I had spent the previous six days working 12 plus hour days driving literally all over the East Coast or flying all over the East Coast. My goodness. How long long had you done this? I did that for four years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so finally I looked at my husband and I was like, what are we doing? This is crazy. And we were at the point where we had just gotten married we wanted to start a family, and I suddenly realized as I looked at people ahead of me on this career path, I was like, okay, I'm only a few years into this, but the people who are even 10 years or 20 years into this, they haven't slowed down. Like, this is the, this is the gig. Mm-hmm. If you're doing this, if you're on this path, you're going to work, you know, like crazy for years and years and years. You're going to rent away the best years of your life to build up this consulting practice for someone else where you really don't have a ton of control over who you're serving or what you're doing. And is this what I really want? And I realized looking at everybody else that while, yes, they all had BMWs in the parking lot, they were going home to, I mean, literally nothing. They were home after their kids were in bed. And if they still were married, you know, it just wasn't a life that I wanted. Right. So I, I, quickly realized that I had to make a change. And thankfully, I was young enough that making that change wasn't a big deal. I could say I wanted out and I could get out. So I did. Um, I left that world. At that point, I had started having panic attacks because I was so just extremely burned out and exhausted. So I, I left the consulting world. I literally left first by taking a medical leave of absence because the panic attacks were so bad I couldn't travel for work. So I took my medical leave of absence. I went to the doctor. They just wanted to give me a handful of pills. And I was like, no, we're going to do this a different way. If my life is toxic, then I need to redesign my life. So I got on my yoga mat and I started going to see a life coach and I started taking better care of myself. And over a period of about three months, I was able to get off of all the anxiety medication they had me on. I was able to get myself out of adrenal fatigue and really replenish my body. And along that time frame, I was going to yoga every single day. And my teacher and I became really good friends. So when I was sitting there wondering, like, what's my next step? What do I do? She came to me and she said, well, you know, I know you have this MBA in entrepreneurship and small business. and You've been working with entrepreneurs and small businesses. She's like, my business is a lot smaller than you're used to working with, but I'm kind of struggling and I don't know what to do. Hmm. Do you think you could help me out? And suddenly my antenna went up and I was like, holy crap, there's this whole world of people with these small businesses, these yoga teachers and holistic healthcare practitioners and life coaches who they were really running small businesses, even though it might be just them. And they just felt really stuck they didn't feel like they had support and that most of the information they were finding was not geared towards them. It was geared towards small businesses, but businesses that had employees and locations and all these other things. Right. So that's how the Yogipreneur literally started was my yoga teacher came to me and she said, my studio is kind of struggling. I've only been open for a year. Do you think you could help me 
figure out what to do here because what I really want to do is travel the world and teach other teachers. And we did that. In a period of six months, we turned her studio around and got it running to the point where she was traveling and teaching internationally. She went to go teach at several different international conferences. And she literally said to me, we need to come up with a workshop called the Yogipreneur. And wow. you, need to take, you need to do this. So my business started, I mean, I it, it's such serendipity. It was just me putting my antenna up and having that moment of clarity, not because I was looking for it, but because I was just taking care of myself in all honesty and surrounding myself with people who had me excited and lit up and who I felt like got who I was and knew what I wanted to create in the world. Um, and they were almost able to pull that out of me without me even asking. Mm. So that's kind of how it all started. In the first few years, it was very referral only. I literally did almost no marketing, even though I was teaching marketing. I was getting referrals from all of her friends who had gone through teacher trainings or workshops or retreats with her, and she was telling them, like, you need to talk to Rachel, you need to talk to Rachel. And so I built up a very small clientele just because she kept feeding me clients, and that's how we started in 2008. So were you working with these clients one-on-one, like as a consultant, as a coach, and then and then also putting on workshops where you could like bring these people in and kind of do a generalized kind of uh, education for everyone? Or how, how, what exactly was the model back then? Mostly it was consulting okay. um, one-on-one. And I had somebody tell me, I don't know if you ever saw the show Salon Takeover with Tabitha. Um, I know what you're talking about, yeah. To, yeah, where she would like go into a salon and be like, oh, this and this and this is wrong, and here's what we need to do to turn it all around. Um, it was kind of like that, but not as intense. No makeover. <laughs> but it was more like, how about you send me all of your financial statements? Right. <laughs> and then I'll tell you, like, let's look at what's going on, and let's talk about what you've been working on and what you've been doing, and let me crunch all the numbers with you, and then we can come up with a game plan for how we can turn things around. Um, so that's how it started, mostly one-on-one, and then because, and it kind of works this way naturally in this world, because one of the most lucrative income streams for most people running yoga businesses is training other yoga teachers, running a yoga teacher training. So then they'd say, oh, can you come in and teach the business of yoga to my teacher training? And I'd be like, sure. So, so that's, that's how I started teaching workshops. And by the time I was about a year in, I had worked with in some form, either one-on-one or teaching workshops about a hundred different yogis from a solo yoga teacher who was literally kind of going around teaching classes wherever she could to people running studios or multiple studios. Um, and of course it's, it's shifted a lot now because there's a lot more business models available to yogis than ever before. Right. Right. So I got to ask this question back then with this business model, especially with the consulting, um, how did you, how did, how were you successful pricing yourself? Because you're really, you were, and this is a challenge I think a lot of small businesses have is that you can provide a service and you're really passionate about providing that service to small business. And oftentimes the, the not so wonderful side about the small business is they have, they tend to have a smaller budget. So how were you able to come up with a pricing structure that worked for these small businesses for many of them that it was their solopreneurs, they're the ones doing everything but how how were you able to make yourself so valuable that they would invest in you? And then how did you structure the investment so they so they chose you? So here's the big secret. I don't think I've ever talked about this before. Um, 
I was luckily in the position starting the Yogipreneur where I was coming out of several years of making a lot of money um, and not having a life to spend said money. Right. So I had a nice nest egg sitting there. And honestly, I didn't make much money the first year that I was in business with the Yogipreneur. My whole focus was how many people can I get in front of so I can really make sure that this thing could have some legs. I mm. wanted to really talk to as many people as I could, um, get my ideas in front of as many people as possible. And I knew that if I could at least start running these workshops, especially, I could make sure that what I was teaching would work. And if I could get the results, then I would be able to price appropriately. So I probably went backwards than most people think of. Um, and I just focused on looking at the yoga industry specifically, like you could go to a yoga workshop for $50 or less. Okay. So I would price one of my two-hour workshops at around 75 or $100. Got it. Thinking okay. that, okay, this is business-related, so it's a little bit more valuable than just a regular yoga workshop. Um, but honestly, like most of those profits were all reinvested back into my business because at that point I was just focused on if I could, if I could basically cover the cost of me going and teaching this workshop and getting the testimonials and getting the feedback and working through the content that I think I have and adjusting it for this community and this niche, um, then I would I knew I could turn it into something later. So the first couple of years, um, I had very inexpensive workshops. I mean, a two-hour workshop was about $100 or less. Um, working with me one-on-one was like $500 a month, which is really inexpensive to have a business coach to talk with you twice a month plus email support, et cetera. Right. Um, and that, that was pretty comparable, I felt, to other people who were just getting started in just the business coaching space, not necessarily people who had an MBA and all this consulting experience. But with this niche, I felt like I had to prove myself and I had to get the results before I took it up any more than that. Mm, I love that. Thank you for being so honest about that because I think that's I've, – I've actually had quite a few women on here say, you know, my the first – six months or year that I was in business, I gave away everything for free because I wanted to I wanted to prove the model first. I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was actually working and that I could sort of have that time to, you know, give, but also I was getting a lot. So, you know, I, I wanted to kind of evolve the program within that time. So that's a really good point. So so at what point Yeah, exactly. And I I think that's something that a lot of people want to skip over mm. and then they struggle to sell anything because they haven't proved that they are able to deliver on what they're promising. Right. And here you had a whole year under your belt of like creating case studies, creating all these examples, creating results for people. I mean, being able to show that you helped this woman in six months. I mean, that's a really big deal. And the more and more of that that you get under your belt, the easier it is to be seen as valuable and people will invest in you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so now we're a couple years into the business, and I know before before this interview started, you had mentioned to me you're like, look, my business model continues to change, and it's changed a lot. What was the next phase of your business? Like, what at what point did things start to really shift again? So I got pregnant um, with my twins. (laughs) I got pregnant with twins. That's what changed. (laughs) Um, So there's no there's no like we had a lovely time 
you know, eight months to plan, nine months to plan. It was, I got pregnant with twins and I knew I was facing bed rest very soon. Oh, wow. So I don't do pregnancy well. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not one of those women who's all glowing and just so excited about everything. I basically was miserable and sick and wanted to just crawl into a hole. I mean, (laughs) I do not do pregnancy well at all. And the um, the first trimester of my pregnancy with my twins, I basically was sick all the time. I have, I have hyperemesis. So it's like the worst morning sickness on the planet to the point of having to be hospitalized for dehydration. And that, that has been my experience with both my pregnancies now has been just miserable. The whole first trimester going into the second trimester, I had like a nice window of about three weeks in the (laughs) second trimester where I had that energy when I was not sick and actually had energy. Um, and then by 26 weeks, I was on bed rest oh my goodness. until the end of my pregnancy. Wow. So, yeah. And thankfully, at that point, I had a handful of um, private clients who I was able to shift from actually going to work with them on site. And for a while, I did that. I was like, okay, I'll drive down to North Carolina or to Georgia and work with you for a weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just transitioned everybody online. And thankfully, online in the past few years has become so much easier. Like not only are we able to jump on the phone with people, but we have Skype and we have go to meeting and we have all these really cool things and they've only gotten better and easier to use and more people have gotten broadband. So it's been easier than ever to work with people online. Right. Um, so just having those people kind of help me keep things moving forward. Um, but I definitely was reaching the point where I was like, okay, I'm obviously not able to travel anymore, which means no more workshops in person. What am I going to do next? And being on bed rest is the most boring thing on the planet. <laughs> it is it's so boring. And there's only so much Netflix you can watch. And I watched more Netflix. Than it. I've seen every episode of Lost. I have seen <laughs> like... So many series. I mean, binge watching Netflix started with me in the summer of 2009. Um, And I just realized I had to start figuring something else out. Well, this is right when a lot of really cool things started happening online, more and more people were talking about, well, how can you take your business online? How can you turn your things you were teaching maybe in a seminar or in a workshop into an online training program? And I had taken online courses in college. Um, I graduated with my MBA in 2006, and I had taken a couple of classes online. And even in 2006, it was still hard to take things online. It was all clunky, and things were slow. Right. So I was like, really? People want to learn things online? I remember that being kind of difficult for most of the other people trying to learn, just because you don't have, like, the physical space. How do you make sure that people are doing what they need to do? How do you help people get results that way? So I spent a few months, really, while I was on bed rest, that was like, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can about how do I take things online? How do I create online programs? How do I teach online workshops? And it was kind of like my own, um, like, online MBA program. Got it. (laughs) And I I just studied everything I could get my hands on during that period in between talking to people one on one. And when I came out of it with real clarity was, okay, I'm going to create an online consulting business. I'm going to still work with people one-on-one because that was 
really easy for me to continue doing. I had referrals coming in. I could do that on the phone. Um, and I knew that I was going to create an online program. And I just had to figure out what that was all going to look like and the technology and whatever. So it took me about 18 months, probably because I am an extreme perfectionist. And I I don't know if you've ever taken the Fascinate Advantage um, test, but mm. I'm prestige is my highest one, which is like dedication to excellence. Okay. <laughs> being the highest value you can possibly have, which is why it took me 18 months to develop my program. Okay. But by the time I transitioned online, um, officially transitioned online and started kicking off everything online, was it wasn't until 2011, the so January of 2011. And that's when I was ready to go full into the online business and consulting space. So did that, how did that transition with your current clients? Did Were there any hiccups there? And then um, and then talk a little bit about the strategy that you use to now gain new clients that, did, that weren't soft referrals, but they were actually coming and finding you. Yeah. Um, my transition with my existing clients was great because at that point, um, we had gotten through some of the first things they needed to work on and they really wanted someone to do some of the things for them. So I was able to set myself up for a longer term contract with them. Got not it. just as a consultant, but actually as somebody who would go in and do some of the things for them. So I was going in there and doing some of the marketing and setting up some of the online stuff for them. Social media was getting big for business in 2009, 2010. So I was actually like their in-house marketing person. Got um, and, and that's what got me through pregnancy and the first year of having twins. Um, it made sure that my basic expenses were covered, nothing fancy, but at least I could keep that going while I figured out the rest of the stuff. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So that, that's what I did for a long time was just stepping in and providing a service as well as consulting. So when you launched, when you like finally launched, like I am an online business at the Yogipreneur is an online business, did you <laughs> launch your like consulting uh, services immediately first or did you launch like training programs first or both at the same time? So I reopened my coaching gotcha. um, first. When I came back, my twins, literally their birthdays in January. So I came back January, the year they turned one, I was ready to make it all happen. And that month I was like, I'm going to fill my coaching docket. I designed a six month coaching program. And my whole goal was to get six people enrolled into that six-month coaching program. I knew if I could do that, then I would have guaranteed six months' worth of income, not only enough to cover, like, my expenses personally, my own income needs, but also enough to reinvest back into what I knew I would need to get the whole online program up and running. Mm. So that was the first thing I went with was my one-on-one services. And I did hustle for those. I think in that first January, it probably, I must have done dozens of complimentary coaching calls, which I don't love doing and I don't do them anymore. But if you have to fill a client docket, the best way I've ever found to do it is to just start getting on the phone with people and listening to them and asking some questions and then letting them know if you think you can help. 
and being able to explain to them exactly how you can help. So um, yeah. did you, how did you, I guess, what was your strategy then? Were you still kind of calling upon referrals or were, was this like full on online? Now you're going and marketing yourself online and now you're getting in front of people that have never known who you are. Is that how you were doing it? And if so, what, like, what was that? What was that sure. immediate sort of um, launch, you know, marketing plan? Um, it was still a lot of referrals. Thankfully, when I launched my website, even though I had no idea what I was doing with it in 2008, um, my designer was brilliant enough to put a little newsletter subscribe button on there. Yeah. <laughs> even though I'd, I'd never sent a newsletter prior to January 2011, um, I might have sent <laughs> one. But magically, because I had a few blog posts, that I had written over the years, and they, of course, now looking back, I'm like, oh, these are horrible. Magically, I had an email list building without a real strategy behind it, but it was there. So when I was ready to launch, I was, or to relaunch, to, to say, hey, I'm back, and now I've got something for you, um, I just started emailing that list. And by then, it was a couple hundred people. Not everybody opened the emails, of course, but the people who were interested started reading my blog post that I was putting out there, they got back on my Facebook page with me, and I just started sharing great content with them. And then after a couple of weeks of sharing great content, probably more than a couple of weeks, probably closer to a month of sharing great content, I sent out a dedicated email saying, hey, I'm opening up a handful of spots for private coaching. If you're interested, here's how you get started. And I sent them to apply for a free coaching session. Very and cool. that was the first, yeah, that was the first step for me getting started with that. And so it was still a lot of referrals, some people who stumbled across me online. Thankfully, I mean, timing is a lot of this. When I started this and when my website went up in 2008, there were less than a handful of people even talking to the yoga space about yoga being a career, yoga being a business. Right. So from an SEO standpoint, I didn't have much competition there. They were probably going to find my site. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and that's not normal, right? Like that's not the standard for anybody starting out. So I had some unfair advantages there just because I was one of the first in my niche, even if I wasn't doing anything really when I online when I got started. Right. So um, talk a little bit about the program that you launched and uh, the online workshops that you do. Talk a little bit more about sort of uh, at current. I know you're just about sure. to open up kind of a new phase, but just before that, like what you were doing, not only this this um, online coaching, but you were doing workshops, you're doing all sorts of online training programs. Talk a little bit about each of those and um, kind of how that, you know, all feeds into your business model. Sure. So um, like I said, I knew I was going to create an online program and I had mapped out this massive behemoth program, which was the first one I really launched, which was I called the Yogi Printer's Guide to Conscious Business Design. And now it's been shortened to just Conscious Business Design. But I launched it in the summer of 2011. And I launched it with a three-part video training series, which of course I had learned from watching all of these online business experts. Right. And it went incredibly well. Um, I had 25 people enroll in it. It was such a huge success. It was a game changer for me and my business. Um, the program itself was an online training program that had a group coaching component. So it was both pre-recorded video training along with like worksheets and transcripts and weekly group coaching calls. So there was an interactive component and I felt that was really important for my community because they wanted to know that there was a real human being on the other end that they could ask questions of. Right. Um, 
that program, when I launched it the first time, was 12 weeks long. <laughs> That's a long and program. It was so long. <laughs> oh, my God. It's intense. No, it is intense. And I did the classic. I think the more I've talked to people and the more I've really become a better teacher, the more I've learned that this is kind of a rookie mistake. Like, we think we need to cram everything we know into our first program. Right. And after a year of running that program and realizing that people were basically stopping after week six just to implement up to there and then picking up with like the other half of the program later, then I was like, okay, maybe I should just separate out this program and say, here's conscious business design. It's just six modules. And then I actually pulled out two separate programs from the original program. So I pulled out a whole program on how to create a WordPress website um, and that's now my program called Your Sweet Site. Okay. And then I pulled out a whole other program called Heart Your Community, which is all about list building and, you know, growing your community. And those were all originally in one huge mammoth program. And it was just insane. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that was my first, my first experience, though. And so I have to say, like, it was a lot for people to get through. But it was a game changer for my business because suddenly, instead of just working with maybe a dozen people through the course of a year, I was able to work with a hundred people or a couple hundred people through the course of a year, which meant I could impact more businesses, I could support more people, and it also meant I could leverage my time in a way that I just couldn't do working one-on-one. Right. Well, and you know, it makes it more, it makes it more digestible. Like all, no one can, you know, as you're doing research, it's so hard to be able to bite off that much. And especially with the amount of knowledge that you're giving, you know, it's like, okay, I need time to go implement this. And I mean, rarely is somebody just doing that. They, they have other things. They have their job. They have their other business. They have whatever else is going on. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just that, that lesson of really being able to chunk it down and make it easily digestible for everyone. So you get the most impact. So it actually does make a difference. Absolutely. And what's funny is I've been running this program so long, and I've, I've had several iterations of it. I think we've revamped the program almost every year. Um, we just finished redoing the entire program and upgrading the entire program, and it keeps getting better and more clear, and people are getting better results from it. Um, but what I've noticed is I still have people from the original program that joined the first time who are still taking every new iteration and still working through the content. Oh, wow. And I think this is such a huge learning for me is that people rarely take a program and then that's it. Like that's the end of their learning. They're going to come back for more layers of it. But even more than that is this journey of entrepreneurship, it doesn't happen in just, you know, 12 weeks. It happens over years. Right. And people are going to evolve and shift just like I've evolved and you've evolved. So I realized that I needed to not try to, like, turn on a fire hose and everybody (laughs) and instead just create more of a community where they could feel like they were going to get the support and encouragement they needed so they could stick it out for the year or two years or three years. Because now I've got people who are two or three years in and they're still coming back to our community. They're still tapping into it and still getting support that... If I would have just been like, oh, here's this program that doesn't have any community or any support attached to it, I feel like they might have dropped off and right. stopped trying. 
So speaking of business evolution, you have recently gone through an entirely new evolution and new phase of your business. Talk a little bit about rachelcook.com. So it's funny, um, rachelcook.com, I've had the domain since 2002 or something, of course, because I think everybody who's going through your MBA program at that point was like, (laughs) buy your domain of your name as soon as you can. And that was my first, it was literally my first resume. That's how I ended up getting an amazing opportunity to go into consulting in the first place, because I probably was the only one that had an online resume. (laughs) Um, But... RachelCook.com now has become my online home because over the years, I've had more people coming to the Yogipreneur, mainly because they resonated with the way I was teaching business. And they would then email me after finding a post about creating a website or growing your community or putting together your programs and your messaging. And they'd say, well, I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner or I'm a life coach or... I'm a designer or I'm a photographer. Um, I have all these incredible women approaching me and they're saying, well, I'm not a yogi. Can you help me? Because I want to have the same type of business model that you have at the Yogipreneur. I want a teaching and coaching business. Mm. And after seeing so many of them come through conscious business design, after literally a couple emails, I, I was like, okay, yeah, take it. I have a refund policy. If it's not working for you, then no worries. But then we just kept getting these people Um, and they were getting incredible results from the same strategies that I was teaching. So I was like, okay, should I evolve the Yogipreneur? Should I just, you know, say, you know what, we're going to let go of the Yogipreneur and just come back into Rachel Cook and just continue evolving that way, which is what I think a lot of people do. They start with a niche and then they go mainstream. Right. Um, And at the same time, I've also had these incredible relationships within this community. Some of my absolute favorite clients, are doing such important, meaningful work. Yoga for trauma, curvy yoga, um, yoga for cancer survivors. I mean, yoga for all these people who need to be served in this way. And they, I went to them during, I had a little mastermind session where I had a handful of my favorite private clients ever, and we were all supporting each other. And I told them, I was like, I'm at this stage. Should I evolve and just go more mainstream? Or what do I do right now? And they said, you can't leave the yoga community because everyone else talking to us is either talking to us like we're not real businesses, like right. this is just a fun hobby, right? or they don't understand this huge opportunity that you see to take our businesses online and to build this, really, this real platform to facilitate change. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to keep the yogipreneur, and I will evolve Rachel Cook, but the yogipreneur is going to return home to specifically yoga business. So that's what's happened. The yogipreneur is returning back to specifically yoga business. It had started to get a little broad there for a while, but Mm -hmm. um, just hearing from them, hearing from my clients and having them say, like, no, you can't leave. (laughs) Right. Like, we couldn't have done this, and there's too many people doing the work, um, that, like what we're doing, that need someone like you in their corner. So we're taking the yogipreneur, and instead of it being so... um, consulting heavy, I'm leveraging my consulting there and creating a new series of programs. And we've been running these virtual conferences that have been absolutely incredible. People have been loving them, but it's a much more leveraged business model than it's ever been before. And now all of my private client work and conscious business design is kind of 
coming along with me to rachelcooks.com. Gotcha. So are you are you going to kind of reintroduce like a whole brand new program that is a lot more generalized to small, you know, solopreneurs or small business owners and, you know, using a lot of the very similar concepts in your yogi program and then just kind of making it more broad or not so niche down and talking to a niche audience? So at this point, conscious business design is not niche specific as far as like you have to have a yoga business or a coaching business or a whatever type gotcha. of business. So it doesn't talk um, yoga I, language. It's more just like generalized business. No. Okay, gotcha. I would say it's, it's geared, but it's still geared towards um, mostly teaching and coaching businesses or service-based businesses. Okay. So I don't, I don't work with retail products. I don't work with manufacturing. If you're right. trying to get a food business off the ground, I'm the wrong person. If you're an artist trying to sell your art, I'm not talking retail. Um, but I have some amazing friends who are. But if you're trying to take something that you know, um, your expertise, your knowledge, and put that into a business through teaching or coaching, then I'm your girl. I can help you with that because that's what I've been doing for the past eight years now. Um, so that's what's happening with and where, I mean, that's honestly, it was happening already. This is just the first time that I've been saying, okay, it's already been happening and now I'm going to put my name on it. <laughs> Rachel, throughout, I mean, throughout this whole journey thus far, have you had like just a really dark moment, like something where you feel like, oh crap, I'm like down and out and I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And how'd you get through it? Um, I think I've probably had those moments at least once a month, every <laughs> month since I've been an entrepreneur. I mean, I think every entrepreneur has these. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to say entrepreneurship is a hard path if you're not willing to do some deep inner work and really face your fears and really fight your own demons. Because there's a saying, um, new level, new devil, hmm. and it is so true each time I break that's good oh yeah each time you break through something in your business you're gonna fight something else and I have people who are like well how do you get over the fear or get over the doubt and I'm like you never get over it you just get used to it um and you just start to realize that you are not your fear you are not your doubt and you have to be willing to just keep going anyway even when it's hard and so there, there have been a lot of those moments, and probably the scariest one would be, um, I mean, this kind of comes back to the beginning almost, but my husband was a teacher, and there was one summer where something was going on in the school system, and he didn't get his contract renewed, and mm-hmm. I didn't have my business up and running again. And so we were literally getting this news in June, not knowing whether or not he would have a paycheck coming in in August. Oh. And I, at that point, had just a, a few things. Like, I had a few of these clients who had me on retainer um, doing marketing with them and consulting with them. But I was like, I can't, I can't bail us out in six weeks. What am I going to do? And I was completely freaking out because I could just see, like, okay, we have got six weeks to figure out what the hell we're going to do here. Um, and it was probably the most scared we'd ever been most scared I'd ever been because my twins were only about five months old at that point wow so that was one of those times where we really had to get clear on what's important to us at that point my dad literally looked at me and he's an entrepreneur and he's like well do you want to come work for me I'll give you a job and I'm sitting there thinking okay I could have a nice steady paycheck and just go to work for dad 
or I can figure something out. So we ended up, uh, we moved out of our townhouse, we downsized everything, and we moved in with my parents for three months to save as much money as we could. Thankfully, my husband's contract got renewed, but we had like a month there of not knowing what was going to happen. But it just kind of helped us get really clear that, nope, I was not going to go back to work for anybody else. I was going to, I was going to get my ass in gear and make this thing happen. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Rachel, yeah. what is your big vision as you as you move forward? I know you, you're moving into a brand new space. As I mentioned, we didn't even talk about this, but you're a brand new podcaster. You got a lot of new, you know, kind of phases that you're stepping into right now. What is the big vision? Yeah. Not only I mean, not only for Yogipreneur, but for Rachel. I mean, what what do you really see? What's your purpose here? You know, I've been asked this question a lot recently, and it's becoming clearer to me, but I also feel like it's a little elusive at the same time. Um, So I'm trying not to overthink this too much (laughs) because I will get stuck in that cycle of analysis paralysis. But I would have to say that my purpose right now is to help more women to really design the life they want. And whether that means starting a business to help you have that life you want or figuring out a way to make your career fit for you. I, I see women of our generation, we're facing these new battles that are really causing some interesting challenges in our society. Like women are not reaching leadership positions. Women are not CEOs of major businesses. Women are struggling to find that work and life balance. And I think the only way that we are going to effectively change that is for us to just change the rules of the game. And it starts with us getting really clear about what we want and then figuring out a way to make that happen for ourselves. And in my case, um, it's been starting this business and teaching and coaching things that I know and that I love talking about. For somebody else, it might be something completely different. But I think we all deserve to have an amazing, beautiful, incredible lifestyle um, where we are able to surround ourselves with people we love and do meaningful work. Mm. Perfect way to conclude this conversation. Rachel, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your journey and all of the great business ventures that you've had thus far. And uh, man, just thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun.